Hey, Doug. Hello, Karen. How are you? I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's late, guys. We're sleepy. Yeah, so if I'm, if I'm incoherent, I apologize. Yes. If we're incoherent week to week, then you won't notice, though. So uh, we'll be par for the course. Um, last week, we posed a question, which was, what do you think are some of the greatest and perhaps some of the worst TV series enders of all time? And Karen, I'm going to turn the floor over to you because you just completed a whole big TV series bin. I just finally completed Breaking Bad. Welcome to 2013, Karen. Uh, I know. I was a little bit behind with this one. Um, So the the clothes were delightful, particularly Jesse Pinkman's outfits, because they were (laughs) so, you know, 2005, you know, um, which was a kick. Um, So, yeah. So anyway, um, I felt like the series started with this bang, right? It was so good, and it was different and it was fascinating and then once we got into season like three it started to lose its appeal um and i just kind of kept going with it just kind of almost out of like well i don't know what else to do you know like there were moments that were really good and it wasn't like it was oh my god this is terrible but i just didn't have that i didn't feel compelled to watch it right um so so then su- succession happened. So we, we, we left Breaking Bad behind for a while. Gotcha. And then we finally got back to it. And now all of a sudden we're on that final season. And I was like, almost not going to watch it. Because I had been so ho-hum with the series at that point. You know, I felt like it had just kind of like run, its, run itself out. But we were kind of like, well, what else are we going to watch? And so let's just, let's just finish it, you know. And oh my God. I'm so glad I did. I, I felt like it was the best series ending that I had ever seen, just in terms of not ending like the very last episode, but I mean like that whole final season set up really, really well for that final episode. Yeah, I agree. And eventually, I guess we'll probably get into some spoilers for those who hadn't seen it in six years. But um, <laughs> I mean, I have, I do have a theory about why people in general took to the show and why the last, definitely the last episode, but I think really like that last season leading up to it is, is also kind of riveting. Um, and, and that is more than just about any other show in the binge era. Breaking Bad is truly written like a movie there. It is basically the same plot and same couple of antagonists through threaded throughout the six seasons of episodes with like legitimate rising action as opposed to the stopping and starting of like seasons and more episodic thing. It is a race to the finish. And then it escalates, especially when you get into that last season and you just want more, 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 more. And when you get to the end, it's like completely satisfying, which is not to say it's a happy ending, but I think it's a very satisfying ending between what happens what Walt is able to do with the money he started out trying to secure, what Walt is able to do for Jesse, what happens with Jesse, that Walt has a moment with um, Skyler, even like a small moment where he sees his real son from afar, the one that he's basically like neglected. Um, it's it's like high octane the way an action movie is, like a suspense movie is. And that's, I think, why it works really well. And that's why I also think... 
when it started to be um, uh, when Netflix acquired it and you could start binging the show, that's why it won over a whole new generation of viewers in the second half of its actual live run. Because I feel like there were people, mostly critics, watching seasons one or two um, mm-hmm. that took to it that Cranston had already started winning his Emmys. Um, but then around like 20. 2010, 2011, that's when a whole new crop of people like, oh, my God, Breaking Bad, best show of all time, top five shows of all time, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I really think it's because you were consuming it differently. And the way it was written was perfect for for binging in that regard, just like a movie is. Okay. So that's kind of what I think. I have one small, like... Is objection the right word? I'm trying not to use a word that's too strong. I feel like the ending was still almost too clean for me. Like, this, it's about how Walt White shifts from being this kind of, like, unlucky schlub to the, you know, like, the Scarface. Like, the diabolical mastermind thing who's drunk on his own ability I wished he had fucked up the money thing so that it could really be like a true tragedy of all the damage that he creates for for, for nothing, right? Yes. Right. But I guess so, but he does lose the bulk of the money. He loses the bulk of the money and like he create I mean like he destroys, you know, lives, so there's there's that. Yes. You know, I mean, he does lose the bulk of the money. He doesn't lose all of it. So I, I definitely get what you're saying. But he does lose it. I mean, he goes from $85 million to, what, $12 million, $11 million? Uh, I can't. I have to defer to you because you've just seen it. But, um, yes, significantly less, yes. Right. And it was his greed that got him there in the first place. Yeah. You know, um, because once they took down the the drug lord that he was kind of working for spoiler spoiler sorry um it it became like he was out he was free he didn't have to cook meth he didn't have to yeah and um and he just and but he wanted to keep going he wanted more money more money more money yeah he was he was drunk on the scent of of all of what he had created right right uh so there's uh, an episode in the last season that I think is among the best, and that's basically like the big desert standoff with his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. But my favorite, favorite moment is still the season two, close, I guess it's the second to last episode in season two, and that's when Jesse's girlfriend Jane asphyxiates and he lets her. Yeah, that's and he stands the- over her and watches it. But he because she is uh, an obstacle. Yeah. This operation. Um, and that to me is like the moment where I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. This show did that. That is that is brave. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I think the show took a lot of chances with killing off characters and, yeah. you know, sort of subverting your expectations, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I, after a while, it just felt like it got repetitive um, to to a certain degree, and I got kind of bored with it. And then it was like that final season just redeemed itself. Um, I loved how the characters really did change. Um, yeah. You know, Walt be, went from schlub to this sort of like 
drunk on power and, and money, um, you know, criminal mastermind. I mean, he really was very good at being a criminal. Um, and then, and then had everything, literally everything taken away from him. Yeah. And so he turned it around and was able to save Jesse. Um, you know, he figured out a way to get the money to his kids so the government wouldn't take it. Um, you know, and, and so he really did have this sort of like in that final season, this sort of journey of redemption um, for, for Walt, too. And so he also went on like, cha- you know, changed and grew several times. And and Jesse Pinkman, which I think was a, kind of a hard character to to write um, I think, and, and, and it was a hard character, I think, for an actor to portray. Um, oh, oh yeah. And Aaron did, Aaron Paul did a really wonderful job because this is a character that could have been very easily, um, you know, one dimensional, two dimensional, yeah. um, not, you know, it could have been a caricature. Rather it could, than yeah, it could have felt very TV friendly and not believable. And it never was yeah. in, uh, in, um, Aaron Paul's hands. Yeah. And, and, and the, and he, I think also had the most difficult journey. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, sort of going from like this sort of stoner fucked up drug addled kid and, you know, sort of like going through all of this stuff with Walt and Walt kind of being this father figure that he really doesn't want, you know, you know? and that complicated relationship, um, you know, and then kind of ending up, I think the one thing that kind of had me baffled, although I did think it was really interesting is how like, I, I've been thinking about it a lot how Walt got bested by a bunch of rednecks. Sure. You know, like these white supremacist guys that Walt got involved in to get some, you know, jailhouse snitch stuff taken care of. And all of a sudden, they're the ones that sort of brought him down. Yeah. Even though it was his own, of his own doing, you know, like Walt had if Walt hadn't set it in motion, it would have never happened, but they were really the, the reason why he came undone. Right. Um, so, so with all his, his intelligence and, and how good he was at being a criminal, um, he really was a mastermind. He was usurped by these, I mean, frankly, these idiots. Yeah, no, that's, you, yeah, that's exactly, well, Idiots, but they knew how to be nefarious in their own way. Right, but they weren't as clever as him. No. They but- were just they were just criminals. They were just bad guys, you know? Um they were thugs. Yes. Pretty much. You know, so and, and Walt but you know, Walt really did manage to go out in a blaze of glory, which yeah. I thought yeah. that that was a really insane scene. Yeah. No, I mean the end is is super satisfying. Um so the, are you saying this is your favorite uh series finale of all time? I would say so. And I, I just I just sort of sort of coming on the heels of the other big series finale of Game of Thrones and what a disappointment that was for a lot of people. Um, I, I kind of was like looking at these two together because they were probably watched in quick succession or quick-ish succession anyway, succession, and and realizing that um, 
you know, with Breaking Bad, it was like, well, that's how you end a series. With Game of Thrones, that is not how you end a series. And wondering, you know, okay, well, where did, why did, why did Breaking Bad work so well and Game of Thrones was just such a disappointment? Um, well, I think, I think one larger answer is I'm pretty sure Vince Gilligan knew from the beginning or early in exactly how he wanted Breaking Bad to end and wrote to that all along. And I'm not sure David and Dan figured it out and were writing to that throughout Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, I, I don't know, but that's... Even though they were, you know, consulting George R. R. Martin and whoever else at HBO, I'm not sure they knew exactly what they wanted to leave the viewers with as they were constructing the world of Game of Thrones. And I kind of think Vince Gilligan did. It's also a little bit unfair because Game of Thrones is an epic, like hugely elaborate world to have built. And Breaking Bad, you know, had... A, a, a far significantly lower number of crucial characters and, um, you know, world to explore. Not that it didn't dig deep, but the number of variables um, to move around in Game of Thrones was was a lot bigger. But my, yeah, my thinking is when you know exactly what you want to do, you can kind of create a through line so that you have prepared your audience for what, happens at the end and nothing will feel like a betrayal. I think Buffy and Angel both did that. Um, and I think Lost did not. And that's why Lost also had a similarly controversial last season slash last episode. Um, and I'm trying to think of, of other examples. Um, like I think my favorite series finale is St. Elsewhere which had this really big twist that sort of like plunked the entire events of the show upside down on its head. And some people thought it was great and some people thought it was a waste of time. But that was one of those similar to it's all a dream thing where um, the main character's son, who uh, was autistic, played by Chad Allen, if you remember him as a child actor, um, it turned out the entire all the events of the series, all the characters were a figment of of his not of imagination. Not that they, not that he'd invented all of the people. Some of them were people that were in his father's life, but they were, but that it took place at a hospital, and that all these people were doctors and nurses was something that had just been concocted in this character's head, which I think is like an oh my god moment when you watch it. But other people are like, but that's bullshit. That's just a lame way to end the series. So some of it also depends on what you want to be left with. But right. but I think you know, in one way or another, the Breaking Bad end ties up everything you know not in a clean way but all of the threads are tied up somehow right um which i think makes it satisfying and leaves you with enough to like still wonder about i mean there's that el camino movie that came out i haven't seen it yeah i was gonna ask you if you saw that no and i'm not really in a rush to see it um i sort of don't care about the world beyond breaking bad at least moving into the future. Better Call Saul has done some very innovative things in looking backward before the events of Breaking Bad. I'm looking and forward question, to seeing that. 
What's that? I'm looking forward to seeing that. I love that character. The question was if you were going to um, going to to visit that. I think yeah. it makes some. I think they make some really smart choices, and also it's still a show that kind of exists on its own, despite being linked to uh, Breaking Bad. It is kind of its own thing, and it exists in its own right. Um, so yeah, I would say for me, Saint Elsewhere is the, is the very best. And Buffy is my, probably my second favorite finale. Um, I don't love the Mad Men finale necessarily, but I do love its final scene. I do love the way they end Don Draper's journey within the show. I think that's pretty brilliant. Um, I think The Shield had a great final episode, actually, too. Um, in terms of sitcoms, I would also say um, Mary Tyler Moore is the gold standard there. Which is a very sweet way to end it um, and still kept it as like these characters that all work together were each other's family without hammering at home, without being too cloying um, and also without giving like everyone a final like you get married and you get right. a potion and you get a, something. I'm trying uh, to remember Cheers' final episode. That's the other one. I, that that one's pretty. That one's pretty perfect. Yeah. Uh, Shelley Long comes back, and she and Ted dance and toy with the idea of eloping, and don't. Um, and Kirstie Alley does marry Tom Berenger, the um, plumber, even though she'd been trying to climb up with all of these rich men. Um, and and it has a, just a really wonderful kind of final fifteen minutes of. Uh, you know, it's Ted, it's, it's Sam Malone and George Wentz, Norm and Cliff. And I think Woody and trying to remember if, if anyone else is, is also there just sort of just talking. It's really, really lovely. Um, and it's like the perfect way to end a series. Um, Roseanne, which is one of my other favorites of all time, had a pretty bad final. Season. They botched that final season so bad. And to the point where I stopped watching it, but I did watch the final episode, and it, it and like it does an interesting salvage job. It can't rescue that last season, but it does at least reframe it in a way that that's interesting. Which basically is like a lot of the ways that these storylines went in the last few years is not what actually happened, including among other things that John Goodman's Dan died of a heart attack. And Roseanne started writing fiction again, and that's what some of what we had seen was, um, which is retcon, the, the aborted reboot. Um, are, you're not still watching the Connors, by the way. I you? am. Okay, I am too. And I'm I'm still enjoying it. I mean, you know, Laurie Metcalf is a national treasure. Yeah. Yes, but I've said for 25 years, yes. And I will continue to watch that as long as you... And John Goodman is wonderful, and they are wonderful together. Um, this The children still can't act their way out of a paper bag, but, you know... It's more and more apparent now with every episode that they're trying to be the center of... I actually think uh, Lisa Gornson as Becky does a little bit Becker, Becker, better than uh, Darlene. And I mean, and when they use DJ, it, like it's fine. Oh yeah, um, time stops. Sarah Gilbert is no is 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 no Roseanne, no. is no Laurie Metcalf, um, and the it, diminishing returns in that regard. Yeah, but um, but it's still worth watching. I think that they're still, still smart and sharp and funny. Um, you know, I and 
regardless of how the acting is not terribly strong, um, with, with the bulk of the cast. Um, although when Bev shows up there, I just spaced the actor's okay. name. Estelle Parsons. Estelle Parsons, too. I mean, you, there you have a master class between Estelle Parsons, John yeah. Goodman, and Lauren Metcalf. Yeah. And, you know, in a sitcom, come on. Come on. Where do you see that talent? Not many places. Yeah. That's sure. Not in a 22-minute sitcom, for sure. Yeah. Not a, on a network TV, no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, so so I, I'm still actually really delighting in that show. I'm very Good. happy that well, it's yeah, still we keep, we're, we're keeping up with it, too. I'll watch every episode that they give me. I mean, I will see it through until the until the reboot, spin-off, whatever it is, is um, finally calls it a day. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there till the bitter end as well. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, it's funny, I don't, I don't make it to too many ends. Of series. (laughs) Like, you know, because I was like, I was down with the Vampire Diaries and and then just by the time we rolled around to the final final season, I was so fed up with it that I was like, I can't, I just can't anymore. And I never actually finished it. So it's it's really funny that I I rarely make it to the bitter end. I... I feel like I named a few series on a previous podcast that were ones I was totally in for. And then they lost me for the last couple seasons. So, like, I didn't see the last season of The Practice. And I didn't watch the last two or three of West Wing. Um, And I know there are a few other examples. uh, But sometimes I'll tune back in for the finale. Like, I saw the West Wing finale. I stopped watching Ally McBeal, but I watched the Ally McBeal finale. Um... I stopped watching Desperate Housewives, and then I never saw the finale. Right, right. But I feel like, by and large, I watched even the long-running series to the end. I just think by the end, I don't, I don't care. Like I watched Nurse Jackie to the end, and when its time came, I was like, "All right, fine. I don't really love this. I don't care." Same with Weeds. Um, uh, Gilmore Girls had a satisfying finale. Ah, uh, I did. I did see that to the bitter end, probably several times. I can't believe that I don't remember it. <laughs> I uh, I watched Alias through to its. Oh, I did too. Yeah. I did too, and that fizzled. Yeah, that fizzled were, as well. Yeah, um, and then the one that uh, the other one that I almost left off, and I can't believe it, is the Six Feet Under finale, which was a show that I watched straight through. Um, it definitely by the third season started to lose w- w- what it was, um, but I don't know if you watched it. I think it's pretty universally agreed that its final episode is kind of a master class. I actually did not stick with that to the very end. Did you, um, and you didn't see the finale? Then I either, right? didn't see the finale. I'm curious, and this is going to bring us a little bit off topic from endings, but I'm curious if you ever saw the HBO show that aired kind of around the same time. And I think this is why I stopped watching six feet under. Um, it was carnival. I did. I did. It's, I think it was only two seasons. It was only two seasons, but I think and, that there was some overlap with um, Six Feet Under. I feel like they did overlap, yeah. And I, when they yeah. canceled Carnival, I was like, I, I just stopped watching Six Feet Under. Because Is I loved... Is HBO? I, it was HBO, yeah. They were both HBO, right? Yeah, I said, did you stop watching Six Feet Under to punish HBO for Carnival's cancellation? Yes, I did. Uh, well, that showed them. I did. 
I loved that show. We should do it. We, we're going to have to do a Hollywood Boulevard all about that show. I would love to. Yeah. Let's put the call to action out now. If anyone uh, ever saw Carnival, which would have been like 20 episodes over two years, um, let us know because that is a golden nugget to dig up. It is a golden nugget, and 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 not too many people have watched it. I think that is that that is true. Like all these Deadwood fans have come out of the woodwork with, uh, but but I don't think there were ever a bunch of Carnival watchers. And I will say, when we we can dig into it when we revisit this in further depth, one of the greatest TV actors of all time was on Carnival. Who? I'm debating now if I should say it or, or or wait and keep you in suspense. But no, I'll tell you, Tim Decay, who was also Bizarro Jerry on Seinfeld. Um, uh, I don't remember his name, but he's the one who. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe him because I'm I don't remember names and I feel like I'll use like pejorative terms to describe some of the characters. Um, handsome, clean cut, all American guy. He well, had he was the baseball player guy. Baseball player with the in, with like I was trying to remember the injury. Yeah, he had he had a, his he couldn't he had like he limped. Yeah. Okay. He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. He was also on White Collar. Oh, Jonesy. Okay, I would have never remembered that. Jonesy. Yes. Jonesy. Yes, so I love that show. So we should talk about that because we should re-educate everyone on good TV of yore. Yeah, because this is um, fabulous. So again, listeners, if you guys had ever seen Carnival, send us your thoughts. Send us your opinions. If there's anything that you want us to talk about or you want to talk to us about the show, um, Please do. And if we pique your interest, I'm sure it's available on HBO Go. I think all their content is. Um, um, I think it's also now on Amazon Prime because some of the okay. older HBO things have oh, shown okay. up on Amazon Prime. So it might be there. Oh, um, and speaking of HBO, there are shows on HBO I'm not watching and hope to catch up to later, maybe around the holiday season when things let up a bit. So I haven't seen Watchmen yet. I haven't seen that either. I want to sort of, and I think the best way to do it is to watch like a couple episodes in at a time in chunks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did you I see want, the movie? I did see the movie. I couldn't get through the first 10 minutes. I was like, I can't. And I gave up. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this or not on a previous episode, but I saw it in the theater. So I just watched it. Okay. Um, and uh, I want to see the Mrs. Fletcher adaptation with Katherine Hahn. And I guess I'll give this upcoming His Dark Materials adaptation a chance, too. Okay. But those will probably be uh, topics of conversation several Hollywood boulevards in the future. Yes, I agree with that. So so that was our TV talk, guys. Uh, if you have other favorite series endings or least favorite series endings, let us know. Yes, please do. But Karen, I am glad. I didn't realize, I guess, that you hadn't seen all of Breaking Bad, so I'm glad you have. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely worth watching. Um, it did great on me at the end. I don't know that you would be allowed to make a show like that now. Um, no, I think already the model for how we construct our shows is different. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I could, but I definitely appreciated it. Well, good. I'm glad. If you're going to spend all that time watching, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though we, we left it, we, we did. It was definitely one of those shows that we really sort of stuttered through. There was a lot of starting and stopping with that, um, you know, and, and moving over to something else for a while and then coming back. And, you know, so, um, so it, it was, I will say it did slog a bit for us, but, um, but like I said, I'll, like I churned through that final season because I just thought it was so good. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it would have been cool to have had all of those episodes at once to watch. Yeah, yeah, that was great. So, Doug, did you go to the theater? Um, I did. I have, but I just realized. So, I never said to you what happens in the finale of Six Feet Under. Do you know? Mm, does somebody die? Well, basically, it follows everyone into the future and shows how everyone dies that makes sense but so good on you for uh for having the right instinct (laughs) yeah what happens when you're a writer so okay there we are they're all dead okay moving on to theater so i did i did go uh up and down and on all over to see a couple different off broadway shows that are running um i'm like cautiously optimistic for some of next week's openings uh, that I'll talk about on the following podcast. I think it's a lot of so-so things, I'm sorry to say, um, with some very talented people. So we were talking about Roseanne intermittently just a few minutes ago, and one of the writers on that show, Matt Williams, actually has um, a suspenseful show, a thriller I'm not sure quite how to describe uh, the show that that he has being performed downtown um, with the Cherry Lane Theater. It's a Cherry Lane Theater production at the Lucille Lortel Theater, if anyone is able to um, um, attend. And I want to make sure you show up at the right venue. Uh, It's called Fear. And it's set in a kind of like suburban Jersey town. If you've seen... Just Shoot Me or Veronica Mars. You probably know who Enrico Colantoni is. I love him. He was Veronica Mars' dad. Yes, he was Mr. Mars. uh, Detective Mars, I guess. Um, And and he's a great character actor. Uh, He plays um, basically the guy spearheading the hunt for a missing eight-year-old girl who, when we meet him, has nabbed a teenage guy that he is convinced because of some weird things this guy has done, that he is the culprit. Um, And he brings him to this uh, abandoned area, uh, ties him to a chair, and threatens to torture him because he uh, knows that this guy has more information on the missing girl and and wants wants to find out where she is and kind of get to why he might have been involved in her disappearance. It gets complicated when a stranger who happens to be nearby realizes that the Enrico Colantoni character has this younger character um, bound and at one point even gagged. And and then it sort of becomes a boomerang effect among the three actors, all kind of repeatedly stating their case about why... I'm not doing this and why this guy is wrong to be doing this and why this guy is wrong to be saying that um, all in the name of, of is this young guy guilty or innocent? So there's not a lot of play there. And in terms of suspense, it really struggles 
to to build any and so um i i didn't get as much as i wanted to out of the show though i will say it is it it is nice to see enrico colantoni on the stage and he holds his own there was even there were even a few prop and sound problems on the night that i saw the show and i thought he rebounded from them quite admirably so um i will say that set looks like wow yeah it isn't a the hardest thing probably to do is to build a structure that looks shitty that looks unstable and um and you've got that there um so that was fear okay Um, and then i saw a show called the wrong man starring joshua henry a three-time tony nominee with a wonderful voice um and this is a very stylized um sort of chamber piece whose glory mostly lies in the music more than the plot as the title will lead you to believe it's about a guy who is uh wrongly convicted for a crime in this case he's having an affair with a married woman whose violent criminal husband finds out about the affair kills the woman kills the wife and um the man that she was having the affair with who is black um is is nabbed for the crime wrongly convicted and there's uh so it's basically all told in one 85 90 minute song cycle um and i think i think some of the the pieces are you know the song pieces um are, are pretty great and i think the acting is very good um it's just there's no real sense of surprise or discovery to the the plot itself um but but Joshua Henry, you know, if if this were a concert, you would think, oh, how lovely to see him for 90 minutes. So that's kind of the framework that I'll say that I'll believe that I saw the show in. Hmm. Um, So that is The Wrong Man, which I think, I mean, Joshua Henry, as New York actors go, is a pretty starry one. So there probably was hope at one point that this could build to something bigger. It's playing in the MCC space, which is you know, sort of far west along, uh, on the, uh, in Midtown. Um, I don't know that this show has much ability to move, but, but, you know, it's nice to see Joshua Henry sing. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and then I saw a one man show with Harvey Firestein called Bella Bella. So it's a one-man show, and he's playing one woman, and that is Bella Abzug, the politician uh, activist um, who passed away about 20 years ago. This is set in 1976 on the eve of an election that she was ultimately to lose. Um, and so Harvey Firestein also has written this, and he and it's a, also about an 85- or 90-minute show where he is, uh, as Bella, is in the uh, the hotel bathroom on election night talking to the audience and basically filling us in on the life and travails of Bella Abzug, who was, you know, a, a defiant force and a groundbreaker in many ways. There's two things here. Well, maybe three things. One is, do we need Harvey playing a woman? Why don't we have a woman playing Bella Abzug, which... But also, I feel like for the most part, Harvey was playing Harvey. Um, yes, I've read that at other places too. Harvey was playing know, Harvey. It's, it's yeah. His accent and his mannerisms and 
his style of courtship to the audience, which leads me to the second thing, which is it's never made clear who we, the audience, is, who Bella in her bathroom is addressing. Um, there's no conceit there. It's not explained. Who You know, it's one thing if, if it was Bella looking at herself in the mirror and talking to herself and saying these things, but no, Bella is clearly talking to an other person, body, individual, and saying all these things. And then three, what are these things? These things is the life story, the biography of, of who Bella is. So it's, you know, sometimes I forget that younger generations don't know anything about what happened before them. And so you need plays that retell the story every couple of decades because people just forget. But in this case, this is the Manhattan Theater Club audience who is a thousand years old and probably lived through all of Bella Abzug's life and knows who she is. So it's kind of like, well, this is definitely choir preaching. You're, and you're saying all these things about, you know, how there are too many men in politics and how the Vietnam war was bad and all, all these things that I don't disagree with, but are, but are known. So it's, is this play doing anything new and do you gain anything from having a male-identifying performer play a female-identifying real person? And I'm just not sure. But, hey, it's always fun to see Harvey on stage. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it, though? <laughs> so, again, happy I saw all three of these shows. Glad I know what they were. Glad I got to see uh, these writers and these players and these craftsmen in action. Um but maybe next week we'll bring some some more must-see shows that I can talk about with a bit more enthusiasm. Okay. And and so there we are. Wow. Time to exit Hollywood Boulevard. It is time to go. If you guys have any TV opinions and if Carnival has piqued your interest, uh, let us know because I think there's a, a future episode uh, down the line there. Um and if you have any other related questions or comments, you can find us on our Facebook page, Back on the Block Pod. Yes. So thank you for listening. We were happily um, technically proficient. I know. I didn't today. want to say anything or jinx it, but for the first time in two weeks, we didn't have connection issues. So uh, something to be thankful for there, too. Yay. All right, um, it's time for Karen to go to bed. I got to go to bed, guys. Um, thank you for listening. See you next week. Back on Hollywood Boulevard and back on the block. Bye. Bye.